Chet Iyar, Taf Shin Ayin Tet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's a Sphera format. It's a Sphera format version of Odloa Havtidai by Betty Pablo opening things up here for us on this edition, live edition of the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM and AM 9 
a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time that we are on. But no, you don't have to worry about remembering that because you can listen to us whenever you want on demand. That's right, on demand. You demand it, we have it. Even before you demand it, it'll be up there. How's that? How do you get the on? How do you listen on demand, you might ask? Good question. You don't need to know because you're listening. But you want to tell others. You want to tell your friends. You want to tell your neighbors. And tell your relatives. Anybody who might be interested in listening to a show such as this or this. You go to the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free. The NSN app is available for free for iPhone and Android. You go to archives. You click on the Israel show. And then you can download any any show for the last over six years. And download it into your device and listen to it whenever you want. Won't cost you uh, minutes or data minutes or phone minutes or anything like that because you can download it in Wi-Fi. Or you can just go to NachumSiegel.com and then go to the archives and then click on the Israel show and then pick the episode that you'd like to hear. There you go. So on demand, whenever you like. And of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. I shouldn't say, of course, we have a Facebook page, but we do have a Facebook page, and it's facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And after the show, during the day, in between my work, my day job, chores, we upload, first of all, playlist of the songs that we played, so it's not only the name of the song, the name of the artist, but also a link to the YouTube video of the song, if one exists, and also links to other interesting materials that we speak about. For example, we are going to speak about Congresswoman Rashid Talib of Michigan. This is a congresswoman. This is someone who sits in the United States House of Representatives. She um, she considers herself a Palestinian, I would add, a Palestinian Arab. That's what we have to do. We just got to remember that. There are Palestinian Jews and there are Palestinian Arabs, and she's a Palestinian Arab. And she, she gave an interview to a podcast uh, of Yahoo, and she said some crazy stuff. And we're going to analyze it for you. And we're going to answer all her craziness. But on our web, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, you will see, you will find a link to the actual podcast. And then you can listen to it if you want to hear it in full context and so forth without my little commentary on the side. I don't know why you'd want to hear it without my commentary. I can't tell you that. Anyway, we're going to get to that very soon. We're also going to speak to you a little bit about, um, let's see. Oh, you know, um, during the, when was it? This summer, last summer, I think. We spoke at great length uh, several times about the role of Israel's security, internal security forces, the Shin Bet, and um, its actions toward Jewish youth, what we call the Hilltop Youth um young kids that were um, almost vigilante-like, I would say. And that uh, the Shin Bet used um, 
according to some, torture mechanism, torture, torture mechanisms, torture uh, procedures uh, on these um, young men and got them to admit to things that they didn't do. And then there was a big cry uh, from some on the right that, and I, I was included, I must say, that we should let the Shin Bet work and operate and we have to trust them if we trust them in general for our security. We should trust them here as well. And uh, that if there is a group of uh, young anarchists, then we need to stop it because that's a cancer that could that could grow. Well, the trial is now taking place of two of those uh, um, young men. One of them uh, was a minor at the time, and uh, it seems as of yesterday that uh, the prosecution is uh, withdrawing almost all, no, everything that has to do with the murders of the Dwarsha family in Duma. This was the main uh, act that got the Shin Bet involved. There was a murder of three people in a town called Duma, including an infant. And um, it was. it is believed that this was done by a, a young Jewish um, hilltop youth they do have somebody who they believe actually did the, did the act, but they also arrested this minor, and they did torture him, and they as they tortured the other suspect who is now standing trial. His name is Oliel. That's his last name is Oliel. And um, they got confessions. Well. It, many of the confessions were thrown out already because the court realized that it was improper to use these procedures in these cases. Uh, but as of yesterday, the minor really is going to have um, a plea bargain in which they will remove all the um, all the charges that had to do with the murder of Duma. They're also removing the charges that had to do with the burning down of a church in Yerushalayim. And um, so that that makes a big difference. And uh, I've already said that I was wrong in that um, case, in that instance, that in fact the Shin Bet did overstep its powers. And um, I still don't know if there is a cancer growing within the hilltop youth of the religious Zionist world. Uh, I think we all have to keep a close eye on that, but clearly the Shin Bet overstepped its bounds, and being that, as we've mentioned now quite a number of times and brought examples, as such, there has been a tremendous loss of trust between the religious Zionist Jews who live in Israel and the Shin Bet, and that's not a good thing for Israel security. So, I was going to say we're going to talk about it, but we just did. And, <laughs> and lastly, we will discuss with you the Schwiss controversy. A Schwiss is a hair covering for married women that many religious women wear. And why it's a controversy and what happened and all that, we'll tell you all about it. It has to do with Yomat's moat and so forth. We'll get to it all, but first we'll uh, share with you some great music by Udi Davidi, 
This is called Min'i Kolech, Min'i Kolech Mibechi, Ve'inayach Midima, the prophecy told to Rachel, our mother. Well, for the album Ruchot Tovot, Uli Davidi, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. מביטה בחלון עכשיו ורואה אותו פוסעה בשבילים עצובים שיבשו עד תום תרמילו על הגב המקופף ומבט נוגע על שפתיו מעיין של דם ודמעות מלווים אותו
Udi Davidi with Min'i Kolech, the words of the Prophet, the words of God through the Prophet to Achalimenu. Okay, as promised, there are currently three very vocal anti-Israel, many say anti-Semitic congresswomen serving in the House of Representatives in Washington Ilhan Omar Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, mind you New York City even and Rashid Tlaib Rashid Tlaib considers herself part of the Palestinian Arab people and um, I think it's clear by now that she's gone over the line of of uh, anti-Israel well into the anti-Semitic territory she um, was hosted on a Yahoo podcast and by the way the media is giving these three enormous coverage and creating the celebrity that they are. There, there, there are hundreds of new Congress people in Washington after the last election. But the media focuses, of course, on the most crass, the ones who make the most ridiculous statements and maybe also the ones who are most left wing so Rashid Tlaib was hosted on this um, podcast by Yahoo by uh, several respected journalists Rashid Tlaib and she was asked about Israel, one-state solution, and so forth. And she made this statement, which is um, hard to stomach on on many different uh, fronts. Many different aspects of it are just crazy. So we'll play it for you, and we'll try and give you the, the real background and explain why she is just... Lying, I guess, is the only word. I mean, I want to say twisting the truth, whichever. Just a few, uh, I think two weeks ago or so, we celebrated, or just it took a moment, I think, in our country to remember the Holocaust. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling, I always tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives their livelihood, the human dignity, their existence in many ways have been wiped out and some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific persecution of Jews across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. But they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced So, do you get it? Her people, the Palestinian Arabs, 
they provided a home, a safe haven for the Jews. They were forced to. They didn't do it, you know, voluntarily. They didn't raise their hand and said, oh, oh, oh I'll, I'll go away and let a Jew come and, and live here. They were forced to, but still, I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that safe haven, that quote-unquote safe haven for Jews post the Holocaust. Now, it's interesting that many um, Americans and American Jewish quote-unquote leaders... They got on her case. They criticized her for the first part of her statement. There's a kind of calming feeling I always tell folks when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and so forth and so on. So there's a calming feeling in the Holocaust. That I don't, obviously... And by the way, there was such a Freudian slip there at the beginning. She said, recently we celebrated. And then she, of course, corrected it. Moment of silence, some moments of silence for memory of the Holocaust. <laughs> the first words out of her mouth were, we celebrated the Holocaust. Um, but I don't think that's really the the worst part of this whole statement. Okay, she she can feel whatever she wants about the Holocaust. And she says, that's a tragedy. And so forth. Horrific persecution of Jews, and so forth. But they focused on that probably because that's easier for them to focus on because then they don't have to focus on the Israel part either because they don't have an answer because they don't know the history of it or because they'd rather not because they feel guilty maybe about what the Jewish state did quote unquote did to the Palestinian quote unquote Arabs but she makes it sound even though she says it was forced on them, she makes it sound like it's such a nice thing that the Palestinian Arabs did to create a safe haven for the Jews after the Holocaust. First of all, the Palestinian Arabs did everything in their power to kill as many Jews during before and after the Holocaust. In the 1920s, before Hitler even came to power, the Palestinian Arabs were already murdering, massacring Jews. And in the 30s, so the the conflict between Zionism between Palestinian Jews and Palestinian Arabs really goes way before the Holocaust and making it sound like the Palestine I mean it's like it's 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 Orwellian. It is just Orwellian. Making it sound like 
oh, it's the Palestinian Arabs who did this beautiful thing for the Jews. I mean, they were forced to do it, but still, it's a beautiful thing, and I feel so good about it. One place, uh, another interview, she says she's humbled by it. She feels so so special about it. What are you talking about? The Palestinian Arabs were headed during the Holocaust by Hajj Amin al-Husseini, the Mufti of Jerusalem, who had as his main goal to kill the Jews and get them out of what was then Palestine, out of Eretz Israel. And during the war, he went to meet with Hitler. And he helped Hitler recruit several hundred thousand Muslims to work toward their mutual cause of annihilating the Jewish people. Yes, Rashid Talib, your ancestors were complicit in the Holocaust. Your ancestors regularly murdered, massacred Jews living in Eretz Israel. What are you talking about? Jeff Jacoby, who writes for... I, what was it? Oh, I should have written it down. I think it's the Boston Globe. Sent out several tweets in responding to Rashid Talib. We've mentioned some of them, but I think it's a pretty good idea. I'll just read from his tweets. No, Rashid Rashida Talib. Palestinian Arabs did not provide safe haven for Jews. They assaulted and murdered Jews, urged on by their leader, Hajjamin al Husseini, an admirer and ally of Adolf Hitler. In 1929, Palestinian Arabs broke into the yeshiva in Hebron, murdering every student they found there. It's actually worse than that. And he continues Then they lynched Jews in the streets. When the town's rabbi tried to shelter frightened Jews in his home, the Arab mob attacked and killed him and his family. That's the famous massacre that happened in Hebron, the 1929 massacre. These were people that lived, so to speak, in peace with the Arabs for a very long time. But the Arabs, Palestinian Arabs, and in this case as well, egged on by the Mufti, Hajjamin al-Husseini, just slaughtered them. Slaughtered. One, men, women, children, no difference. A week after the Hebron massacre, Arabs in Sfat launched a new pogrom. There was a systematic slaughter of the Jews, wrote a British eyewitness. The inhumanity of the attack was beyond conception. Women were gashed in the chest, babies were cut, and old people were killed, says the eyewitness. The New York Times, oh my God, reported on another massacre in 1938, this time in Tiberias. Quote, not since the riots of 1929 has there been in Palestine such a slaughter, end quote. It described how Arabs torched the synagogue, murdered its sexton, then went from house to house killing and burning. Most notorious, continues Jeff Jeff Jacoby, was the Palestinian Arab leader Husseini who met with Hitler in Berlin, traveled to Bosnia to recruit volunteers for the Waffen-SS. Quote, the Arabs were Germany's natural friend, Husseini told the Fuhrer, Hitler, quote, because they had the same enemies, especially the Jews. 
Husseini continued our fundamental condition for cooperating with Germany was a free hand to eradicate every last Jew from Palestine and the Arab world. Again and again he insisted that Jewish refugees be barred from Palestine and was successful. The Arabs were successful in getting the British to limit Jewish immigration into Eretz Israel, and as a result, many Jews who would have been saved during the period of the Holocaust could have come to Eretz Israel, but the British barred them from entering the land even after the Holocaust. As you may remember, many, many DPs, refugees who went through the horrors of the Holocaust who then only wanted to go to Eretz Israel, came by rickety ships that the Mossad uh, Aliyah Bet commissioned, and the British stopped the boats and sent them to Cyprus, or sent them back to Europe in the case of the Exodus. That was all started by the Arab, the Palestinian Arabs, who did not want Jews in the land of Israel, and who, the minute the settlement, the idea of dividing and partitioning the land of Israel, Eretz Israel, into two, one as an Arab state, one as a Jewish state, the minute that idea was approved in the UN, the Arabs just started attacking, and then on May 15th, as we know, Hayyar, when Israel declared independence, the Palestinian Arabs were joined by all the surrounding countries in an attempt to wipe out the Jews. Rashid, Rashida Talib, please know that you have a lot of history to learn. Don't feel any calming feeling when you think about the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust. It was not your ancestors who lost, quote-unquote, their land, their human dignity, and all that. That did not happen to them because of the Jews. That happened to them because their own leadership did everything possible to get them to leave during the war, promising them that they'll wipe out the Jewish people and they'll be able to all come back and have their land and the land that the Jews had as well. The Jews did everything. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. There were exceptions, but there are exceptions that teach us the rule. The Jews did everything to live in peace with the Arabs. The Arabs did everything to kill as many Jews as possible. There's more of this uh, great thinker, this U.S. Congresswoman who should be ignored but instead is highlighted in every possible venue. We'll share that with you after uh, musical break. Yossi Cardoner, Yosef Cardoner with Kita Avor Bamayim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yosef Cardoner, Kita Avor Great song. I was off of the album. I don't know. I don't know which album it was off of. Well, we'll just have to uh, leave it at that. We were listening to um, some clips of Rashid Talib. In the next one, she's asked about the one-state solution. She said earlier in the interview that she is for the one-state solution with the right of return. And she's asked, well, then the Jews will be a minority. And and just watch how she dodges, totally dodges this question. But a one-state solution with the right of return, I mean, just the math suggests that Jews would become a minority in that state. But Dan, it's not up to us to decide what it looks like, right? No. No, it's not up to us to describe it. It's up to us to say everything that we can against Israel, and she continues to do so, as we'll see in the interview. But it's not up to us to decide how it's going to be. I mean, so if a one-state solution brings about a, a, a binational state, one where there is no longer a Jewish state, then, then so be it, which is what they obviously want. And then she can, goes on to talk about the Palestinian Arabs in Eretz Israel and the land of Israel, especially in Judea and Samaria, those living under the Palestinian Authority and others, and she compares them to the plight of African Americans in the United States. Listen to this. Just like when I have my African American teachers taught me about neighborhoods they couldn't live in, taught me about places they couldn't work, but it's important to understand that separate but equal didn't work here, right? And we have to allow the self-determination to happen there. But for me, that's the lens I bring to it. But I'm not a leader there. Oh, but I'm not a leader there. I'm going to tell you everything I think about it, but I'm not a leader there. So just like when I have my African-American teachers taught me about neighborhoods they couldn't live in, taught me about places they couldn't work... But it's important to understand that separate but equal didn't work here, and we have to allow self-determination to happen there, etc. Trying to understand how she can possibly compare the fact that um, African Americans were discriminated against for a long time in the United States for no reason. How is she comparing that to discrimination? Not discrimination per se, but let's say the treatment of Arabs living in Yehuda Shemron differently than others did the did the uh, blacks in the United States kill a thousand Americans with uh, explosives did the blacks in the United States try to destroy the United States using rockets missiles bombs armies everything over a period of decades And, as she knows well, the Arabs that live in Israel have full rights. Universities. Walk into any university. Walk the Hebrew U. A large percentage of the the students in in many classes are Arab. Walk into a hospital in, in Israel. Walk into a court. How many of the judges are Arab? Many. So many. But she has the chutzpah to compare it 
to the um, to the black inequality, and that's that's the lens that she brings. And she's asked, why is she for a one-stage solution? Why shouldn't she be for a two-stage solution? Which um, <laughs> it seems that only people in America still think that that's an option. But still, that's what they asked her. And here is her uh, here's her response. Netanyahu and his party gave it up. And the Israeli government gave it up. Because and it's not it, worth fighting for anymore. It's, it's, it, it's not me to decide. But just to be it's clear. It's the will of the people. If Netanyahu got up yesterday, tomorrow morning and decides, you know what, I'm going to take down the walls. I'm going to, I'm going to the settle. I'm not going to expand settlements. Enough is enough. I really want to push towards two state solution. He has every power, every power to do that. And then people right, like myself and others will truly believe in that. Yeah. If Netanyahu would take down the walls, there would be suicide bombings in Israel very quickly. In fact, they did, Israel did at times, based on pressure from the world and from the United States governments, did take away some of the checkpoints and so forth. And Jews were killed. The government of Israel did stop expanding settlements for a period of 10 months during the Obama administration. Nothing happened. The Palestinian Authority did nothing. They didn't come to the table. They did nothing. So when she says enough is enough, that, that Netanyahu could say enough is enough, of course he said enough is enough. Enough, enough terrorism. Enough nonsense. And it's interesting to me that the journalists, quote-unquote, that are interviewing her, none of them follow up and ask her questions. And, and ask her some of these questions. You talk about Israel being a safe haven for the Jews being created by your ancestors. You love the fact that your ancestors provided that why don't they ask her? Your ancestor did everything to wipe the Jews out. How could you say that? They did ask her about the right of return, and she said, well, it's not up to us to decide. Well, then why are you pushing this agenda? Why don't they ask her about the history of Netanyahu governments, where he did stop settlement activity for a period of 10 months where he did take down some of the barriers some of the roadblocks and so forth and just co- it just created more terror where Israel walked out of Gaza and now gets hundreds of missiles fired in to the southern part of the country where Israel walked out of southern Lebanon and now there is a terrorist state in southern Lebanon that has hundreds of thousands of missiles and rockets aimed at the heart of Israel. Israelis have been there, done that, and no longer believe that there is someone on the other side that is willing to negotiate in good faith. And that's what she would not say. And that's what the journalists, quote-unquote, who are... um, interviewing her 
refused to ask her. This is an interesting version of Hatikva, Israel's national anthem, which is always known as Hatikva. So when it was written by Naftali Tzvi Imber in the 1800s, it was written like so many of the, uh, all of the Jewish poets who wrote in Hebrew at the time, Bialik, Chernochovsky, and others, whenever you hear their songs put to music, you will hear that it's always pronounced in the Ashkenazi sort of, I don't know if it's an Ashkenazi way, but in the way that Eastern European Jews pronounced Hebrew, which was, or mispronounced Hebrew, I should say, putting the emphasis on the first part of the word rather than, in most cases, at the last part of the war, hat word. Hatikva is the way it should be pronounced, not Hatikva. Right? Where do you emphasis, emphasize the syllable or syllable? So, um, Avi Edaki, I think that's his name, recorded a version, it's very cute, just over a minute, a version of Hatikva, in which he uh, really goes out of his way to pronounce all the words properly. It's not, it's not taken off, trust me. It's not going not gonna to change. But it's cute. His attempt is cute. It's interesting, and uh, I think it... Um, it's worth uh, worth a listen. Uh, Avi Adaki Hatikva. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Kadima Ain Letzion Sophia Odlo Avda Tikvatenu Atikva Bachnot Alpaim Liot Am Hofshi Bertenu Erezion Virushala Bertenu Eretz Zion Vimushalayim You get it? We sing Odlo Avda Tikvateinu And he sings Odlo Avda Tikvateinu Not Tikvateinu Tikvateinu Od Lo Avda Right? Od Lo Avda Sorry Od Lo Avda Tikvatenu Hatikva Bachnot Very interesting And and it's interesting that the These modern poets If you will of Hebrew Wrote that way They I would assume that they knew Was Not the proper grammatically proper way of pronunciation I don't know, okay I'm sure people have done a lot of research on it um, two two uh, things that I wanted to point out it has been announced this morning that 
Har Habayit will be closed to Jews on Yom Yerushalayim. And that is because of the Ramadan. And towards the end of the Ramadan, it is a, the end of Ramadan is a holiday, several days. And that is one of the days. It's uh, Sunday, June the 2nd, I believe. And um, and on the day that we will be celebrating the reunification of Yerushalayim and the liberation of Harabayit, the days that we will be celebrating the words Harabayit Biadenu, we will actually be modeling a different behavior completely, showing that Harabayit Lo Biadenu. I guess it, it depends on whose Yadenu we're talking about. That's pretty crazy. The other is that this week in Israel is the Eurovision contest. It is one of the largest or the largest musical event in the world. Broadcast to millions and millions, tens of millions of people, mainly in Europe and parts of Asia. It is taking place in Israel, as you may know, in Tel Aviv. It's coming Motzei Shabbat. There is so much craziness going on in Israel as a result of it. There's video clips that the Ministry of Tourism put out, which are just... I don't know who thought that they were funny, that they're pretty embarrassing. Other stuff. But one of the things that really got me was a huge banner put up in Tel Aviv by the vile organization that we've spoken about several times called Shavrim Shtika. Breaking the Silence. This is a a group that travels around the world lecturing to our enemies about how the army of Israel is a terrible army, an immoral army that just kills people without distinction. They've testified in front of the UN. I mean, self-hatred really the biggest self-haters of Judaism's history should come and learn on their on their, on their their knees in front of Shavrim Shtikah. They put this banner up in a place that would be very exposed, very open and obvious to people that come from all over the world to the Eurovision contest, performers, fans, and spectators. Talking about, don't, don't only see this part of Israel that looks all nice, We'll show you the other part of Israel where where the Arabs are being treated so terribly and desperately and so forth and so on. They have a the banner has two sides to it. One side shows squalor and the other side shows the beauty of Israel. And they're gonna show you the other side because people coming from Europe need to see that. It's their right to do so, but it continues to be an organization that seems to be bent on bringing Israel's I wouldn't even say Israel's shame because in, in many cases some of the stories some of the stories that they that they talk about are, are have been shown to be made up and untrue and even the stories that are true are the exceptions to the rule that tell us about the rule 
they get paid by European countries and by the European Union to continue their work. And we know where the European Union would like to put us. The State of Israel, they do not have our best thoughts in mind. That's for sure. So, um, yet again, Shovrim Shtika continues to be the vile organization that it is and should be called out wherever possible. Bat Ella with uh, just um, a shout out to, uh, to the network that uh, due to the fact that Yoni is not doing a show today we'll run a little long okay so uh, just all the affiliates out there should also take note of that I always want eyes to see the beauty of God's handiwork Bat Ella off of her album Rigaim. Rigaim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Le <laughs> Thank 
Bat Ella with My name is Mayor Wangart and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, today there will be no edition of, after further review, Yoni Pollock's show about the world of sports as Yoni is away he will return I believe next week so all you sports fans stay tuned for that in the coming weeks but an hour from now Novak Now (laughs) with Jake Novak will take place Here's the topic. What we all need to know about China, and that's so important at this at this time. We know what's going on between the U.S. and China. The origins and results of bullying and how Israel is different in the cycle of victimhood. So tune in to this really wonderful um, program, Novik Now, Jake Novik, who brings uh, great insight into the stories that we all hear about. And after that, the great Monday Music Marathon. Thank you so much all for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. We're going to end off with Yishai Rebo's hit off of the album Tochor Atzufa Kol Dodi. And until next Monday, immediately following JMDM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no, they're just running in a different race. Kol dodi nazabak, achamea sapri 
להסיר את כל הרע ואת קרננו להרים מתוך תאומות עפר ולהקיץ נרדמים עם תרועת שופר כל דודינה זה בא כך פשטה להשמועה וכל תינוק שנשבע קיבל את הנבואה אז בוא נצא לקראתו בתופים ועוגב שירו לו זמר ולו אשרם שהשם אלוקיו ואז יפוח היום והשקר יתהדה אז יצאו במחול כל איילות השדה וידלגו על הערים ולא מחמת המה תשועלים ומחג והסלע יזרמו מים חיים בין סטרי המדרגה להשקות שושנת העמקים ולהקים משכן שיסיר את סבלותינו מכאן כל דודי דופק, פיתחו לי בניי. הגיע זמן גאולתכם, ולצור אתכם אמרתי די. ובאתי לבשר, שלא תבכי יותר אחר. מריחים את המשיח, יותר מכל אבקת רוכל. שלום לך דודי, יצח ואדמון. שפוחם אותך על ושב לביצרון ברחמים כי לרחמך אין זיכרון שיכיל את כל הנתונים ואז יפוח היום ושקר יתהדה אז יצאו במחול כל איילות השדה וידלגו ולא מחמתם את השועלים, ומחגבי הסלע יזרמו מים חיים. בין סטרי המדרגה להשקות שושנת המקים, ולהקים משכן שיסיר את סבלותינו מכאן. כל דודי נזקה 